0: Yo and hello everybody. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe?
1: Because we do. <laughs> I hope you do at this point, because we're five episodes in. Yeah. So if you didn't, this is probably a little weird.
0: Yeah, this is not one of those podcasts you really want to start five episodes in. Not with the lore that we've established. But
1: if this is the first time that you're watching Radio Free Roscoe through, we hope you're enjoying the ride so far.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly been fun for me, because it had been a while since I rewatched Radio Free yeah. Roscoe, so
1: there's all these
0: little things that just come back.
1: It's like, oh, yeah, it's good stuff. So this is the first episode that we're recording in 2020. (gasps) Also the first episode that we're recording post-lunch. So to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you've been enjoying the ride so far. I thought you said (laughs) post-lunch. I mean, it's also post-lunch.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. So we do know for a fact that because people are listening to this podcast, other folks out there love Radio Free Roscoe. And so we want to give you guys the opportunity to call in because I know when I was watching the show, I always wanted to call into Radio Free Roscoe.
1: So if you have any thoughts about the show or you want to talk about some things that we've talked about in previous episodes, send us a voice clip on social media and it'll be featured in a future episode. You can also email us at podcastforyroscoe at gmail.com
0: if you're an email person, and I am because I'm almost 30.
1: Today we are looking at Season 1, Episode 5, Clark Kent. This aired August fifteenth, two 2003, and it was directed by Chris Grismer. Now, Chris Grismer actually directed the past couple episodes as well, but I didn't really dive into anything. But he went on to direct a ton of stuff. So some of his credits include The Vampire Diaries, Pretty Little Liars... Being Erica, This is Wonderland, and Designated Survivor. So he's done a lot since then. That's very cool. This episode was also written by Russ Cochran and Doug McRobb. Russ Cochran would go on to work on a number of other major series, including being the co-executive producer of Orphan Black, a major like Canadian drama. Wow. So that's really cool. And then Doug McRobb is, of course, one of the co-creators of the show. Yeah. Yeah, so this marks um, the first appearance of Tracy Hoyt as Emily Mitchell, the oh, English teacher. You know I'm going to go into into a Tracy Hoyt tailspin once once we see her on screen <laughs> <laughs> um and guests featured in this episode include Charlotte Sullivan as Judy so she was actually uh, 20 when this episode aired. Nathan Stevenson was 17. And she's still acting today. She's likely most well-known for her role as Gail Peck on Ricky Blue. Mm-hmm. She'd also gotten into some bad Christmas movies, like some yes! of our favorite heroines of the show. 12 Pups of Christmas. Yes, most recently 12 Pups of Christmas in 2019. I was thinking that we need to make a letterboxd list or something
0: of just like Christmas <laughs> movies that feature RFR actresses. I'm I'm down. Yeah. Do we have to add letterboxd or social? media because i'll do it okay yes yes jody's passionate about letterbox and su- such that it makes me want to get into it because it's, <laughs> it's just good movie sharing fun yeah that'll be that'll be like our holiday treat <laughs> next podcast we just like watch rfr adjacent <laughs> films but yeah she's been in like murdoch mysteries and frankie drake mysteries and probably some other canadian mystery shows cause yeah that's, a big thing
1: <laughs> yeah I I feel like you haven't made it as a Canadian actor until you've been on Murdoch mysteries no it's true and it's over now like it's, it's ending. over now I think it's ending wow so you just like damn missed yeah, the window yeah you you don't have that uh you don't have that status symbol anymore I had a question um from a friend asking if we were gonna have radio DJ names
0: yeah you know that's something that we talked about like at the beginning but I just I wasn't sure I didn't I wasn't sure if I wanted to be goofy and be like I'm semi Colin. I'm waiting for the universe to reveal it to
1: me. <laughs> I don't know, maybe as, a, as the show goes on. Although at this point, you all know we're all, yeah, our identities. Yeah,
0: you can find us on LinkedIn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the real reason why they wanted the secret identities, is no yeah. one could find them on LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> this episode was the first time I realized the producer's name is John A. DeImage. Which is a really great name for John A. De
1: Image? (laughs) Yeah! Which is, like, such a good name for a TV producer. That's amazing! (laughs) That's like, um, that guy on Canada's Worst Handyman, whose name is Jeff Woodmansey. Yeah! i have forgotten about that. Jeff Woodmansey. You really have no choice in the matter at that point. (laughs) What else are you gonna do? Five, four, three, two, one.
0: Okay, so the episode starts with a close up of a clock, which I don't know. I just had this like moment of like just remembering like looking at the school clock like every few minutes when, okay, never mind. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let me commentary about how I've looked at the clock (laughs) before.
0: So the episode starts with Robbie and Travis counting down uh, to when the girls' gym class lets out, which is like. A little creepy but it's because Robbie has a crush on Judy Douglas
1: I also have to appreciate that like there aren't any like gratuitous creepy shots of any of the women they're not like that. dressed in anything like they're they're all just kind of like sweaty yeah. in like sweatpants and t-shirts so yeah. it's yeah, that's but, that's
0: a good point because like, i remember being like at first when i started re-watching this i was like oh no and then i was like oh okay it's not a thing yeah it's, <laughs> it's
1: not like they're waiting and creeping and all the yeah. women it's like he has a crush specifically yeah. on this girl and it's like eh.
0: and just it's not that bad i feel like the, in this episode like i had so many moments where i was just like robbie's so
1: cute when he's lovelorn oh just my gosh his puppy dog this, face this episode really solidifies that Robbie's like such a little romantic he like if, if his he's like so obsession cute. over his text conversations with his last girlfriend isn't enough for it yeah like this is so sweet he's adorable so judy
0: passes them and goes to her locker and judy is a horse girl (laughs) (laughs) she's got like the biggest horse head picture in her locker so many other horse pictures too oh my gosh i knew a couple horse girls i did too yeah i knew one horse girl who like i hope i'm remembering this right but i remember going over to her place and her bedroom was
1: kind of decorated like a stable yeah I had a I had a friend who in the guest room in her basement the curtains on like the little basement window were like horse print and she kept threatening to send them to me after I moved she's like
0: <laughs> for your new place when, when you said horse print I was thinking about because when you think of animal prints you think like leopard print yeah. tiger stripes like horse print <laughs> it's just, is just brown it's just
1: brown <laughs> no, it was like a bunch of horse heads But there was a a girl a couple lockers down from me who definitely had Heartland pictures in her
0: locker. That's just that's so much. I feel like I see commercials for Heartland all the time like this does not look interesting. (laughs) Sorry Heartland. It's just horses. I miss just like pasting all sorts of crap on my locker.
1: Yeah. What did you have on your locker? I didn't have a ton in my locker. I remember having like a mirror and like a color-coded class schedule, everything. Like, very practical stuff. I think in, like, early high school, I had a whiteboard that, like, I had my friends sign and, like, leave little messages when they came to visit. And there was definitely, like, a little shelf in it where I kept my little book of Doctor Who post-it notes (laughs) that I would use as, like, bookmarkers.
0: That is so cute. So organized nerd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have anything, like, super personal, like, in kind of, like, the middle school years. But I remember I had a Zwipes binder, and I wrote what? the names of, like, all of my favorite songs all over the front of it. Nice. And it was all, like, the Veronicas. I, uh, I would print out web comics and put them in my locker. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's that's so cute and such a appropriate foreshadowing I know
0: I know I, I just I was yeah super into like what was it like stuff like Perry Bible Fellowship and subnormality and things like that oh my gosh and uh I feel like I had a couple of Hark of Agron's up in there too really just some, yeah just some good Canadian web comics I would just like yeah, just print them out on our printer at home and just like cut them out and put them in my locker <laughs> I didn't know Hark of Agron was
1: Canadian oh yeah That's great.
0: yeah she's from uh Cape Breton I think oh my gosh yeah Appropriate, because Kate Breton sounds like Kate Beaton. That's a very good point. <laughs> I bet that's how they named her. <laughs> so Robbie tries to approach Judy, and he totally does that thing where he, like, waves, and she waves at somebody else, and he does, like, the hair-slick-hand thing. I'm question mark, and I'm wondering, what's love? What did you think love was at 14? <laughs> like I, I don't a- know. <laughs> I
1: I had, like, no standards because I was trying to think back on like my my crushes in like middle school early high school and they were all just like tall boys who are baseline nice to me yeah I just had like very low standards and that's continued for a long time but my uh my first relationship was when I was 13 basically my friend and I had like kind of liked each other throughout like the entire year And it was like the last month of school. I was hanging out at the back of the field with my friends and I turned to look and there's like him and our entire grade just like walking towards us. And I was like, what is happening? And he came up and he was like, do you want to go out with me? And I was like, sure. And everybody started screaming. Oh my God. (laughs) And then the bell rang and we walked like awkwardly with like our arms around each other's shoulders back <laughs> across the entire field to the door and then our relationship progressed like the way any middle school relationship does mm-hmm. which is you spend your lunch in a circle with your friends with your arms around each other and all your friends tell you that you should kiss and that's that's the essence of a middle school relationship no. No. so it's very awkward and because it was like so awkward and just made everything so like uncomfortable the relationship did not last long I may or may not have broken up with him in a Walmart. Cannot confirm. <laughs> but it was it was like a very like sweet, very like middle school specific kind of scenario. Yeah. And he was one of my best friends, one of the sweetest guys.
0: Aw. I had, I guess, my first flirtation relationship. You can't really. Yeah, it's very middle school relationship when I was like, yeah, 12, 13 with a guy who isn't still one of my best friends and wasn't really a great guy but he was kind of interested in me so we totally I remember we went to a dance together and we you know typically you put like when you put your your you might put your hand hands on your partner's shoulders and they put might put their hands on your hips but we both put our hands on each other's shoulders oh that's like (laughs) essential it was great it's like the most awkward way to dance like it doesn't work Aww. <laughs> and then he ended up i can't even remember how it officially ended but it just kind of fizzled out because he like he he liked this other girl and his comment was that like she was stacked but i was stacked too <laughs> oh my god stupid 12 year old boys and boobs you know why because love bites it's got some pretty sharp teeth too that's <laughs> <Yeah, let's> the name of <laughs> our next segment shady The crew quickly surmise that love bites, and it becomes an edgy, fun, new radio segment. And they've invited people to call in.
1: The team gets a call from someone under the name Starry Eyes. Um, fun fact, Starry Eyes was my username on Neopets.
0: Oh my god! Really?
1: Because of this episode, although I totally misremembered it, I thought that it was Audrey calling in on a later episode, and her yeah. name is Starry Eyes. Wait, your Neopets, it was intentionally an RFR, right? Oh Yeah. That's yeah, 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 wonderful. Although I think I spelled it wrong. Stary eyes? It might have been stereo. eyes.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, because we talked about, you know, what would your name be if you called into RFR? And I just immediately thought of my first usernames for things, which was all like, my first Hotmail account was Sailor Moon fanatic at hotmail.com. And my first, my first, email account back in the Shaw.ca days was Eternal Moon Girl at Sha.CA yep. 100% it would be something goofy like that just some yep. sort of like moony sailor moony
1: reference things that was like my whole world when I was that yeah. age. Yeah I think my first hotmail was sailor kupo because of it sailor was! moon and because of the moogles. In, and yes hearts.
0: in kingdom hearts not um, final fantasy
1: because <laughs> we're not cool like that. No it was it was purely from kingdom hearts. Yeah yeah for a while Like, I would always make my uh, username on stuff an inside joke. Yeah. So when people ask me about it, I'd be like, oh, it's an inside joke. You don't get it. (laughs) Under the expectation that people would ever ask me about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what my caller name would be these days. It'd probably be some stupid meme or something like that. Whatever's making me laugh at that time. Well, and it might depend on the question you're asking. That's true. Like, how people will do, like, um with like the ask columnist yeah. kind of things. Speaking of ask columns and also Sailor Moon, this is reminding me of something. Oh no. Uh, when I was 13 years old, there used to be a website called Sailor Scouts UK. And I forgot
1: it, about this. Yeah, it had
0: a feature called Ask Sailor Moon where you could ask characters from Sailor Moon questions and they had an open call and so I ended up taking the role of Queen Serenity. <laughs> and people would ask me questions. So if you ever got advice
1: from that site, you were getting advice from a 13 year old
0: <laughs> who doesn't know shit about anything. God. I were actually you, like
1: really like motherly about it. I was. Did oh. you call people my child? I didn't. See, I I definitely used
0: the word deer. I actually. Oh. I I used archive dot whatever or whatever it is, and I uh I dug some up. I actually managed to find some.
1: Oh my gosh! So. Like your your actual responses. Yeah, that's sweet. So we'll have to
0: maybe share those out at some point.
1: <laughs> actually, I I really want to know what question mark thinks. He's so erudite. Um, thanks. Sarabi so has a really nice interaction with Starry Eyes, where she's. Very clearly interested in, oh, yes. in him. Mm-hmm. Says he always knows what to say. And then they get a call from Dog Dogboy, uh, whose scenario kind of lines up with Ray's. So he kind of starts listening in on the advice that they're giving this caller Yeah. And taking it to heart. Doesn't look good, nurse. I think we're going to have to operate. Do it without me. I'm a conscientious objector. So we cut to biology class where they're doing
0: the classic frog dissection thing, which I never had to do. But you had to do it, I right? I had to
1: do it, yeah. I remember dreading that day. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think I could do it. Like, it's not the dissection that's the worst part. And this, this kind of (laughs) sucks. But because you have to, like, pin their, like, hands down, you have to, like, get them completely flat, you have to, like, break their bones, (laughs) Ah! which is the worst part of the whole thing. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. little snap.
0: Here, kids, gonna break some bones today.
1: Yeah. At least that's what we were taught. And of course, you have a bunch of like 14, 15 year old boys just being like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to fling this kidney.
0: <laughs> My favorite teen slang. we're going to fling this kidney tonight. <laughs> this is going to be lit. <laughs> so yeah, so Ray and Lily are in biology class, frog dissecting, and we end up getting this this tragic story from Lily's childhood where she befriended a frog and the frog hopped away into the traffic you're to pick one of the chapters we discussed today and interpret it through some form of creative expression write a song do a rap tap dance whatever just make it creative
1: so we cut to english class where uh we meet the teacher mrs mitchell
0: who is tracy hoyt and boy oh boy i've known this for a long time i've I've, i know who tracy hoyt is (laughs) because she was Reenie in sailor moon r and the sailor moon movies uh, AKA Chibiusa, hashtag subs, not dubs. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, she was one of two voice actresses, the other voice actress being Stephanie Beard, AKA Sugar from the Zone, um, who people probably remember a little bit more. But Tracy voiced Rini for a season and the movies, and she's done a lot of other uh, voice acting too, and she's still super active in it. She's been like the cat in a hat, knows a lot about that, like that whole thing. She was in a bunch of Delilah and Julius. Although Amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't find specific credits. It just says voice. So I guess she just plays various bits in
1: it. It would be a lot weirder if it was like live action. <laughs> interesting way it appears.
0: Yeah. There's there's just like hidden stills of her like giving a thumbs up. Like, hey, you guys are doing <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: So they're reading Wuthering Heights in class. She introduces this assignment where they have to pick a chapter that they've just read and do some sort of like artistic interpretation for it as a project. I love it. I absolutely love it. So I'm Jody, and I'm wondering, what's the weirdest thing that you've ever had to do for a school assignment? Weirdest thing?
0: It's a good question. Well, when I think of assignments like this, my favorite assignment that I ever turned in, in like all of school, was we were given an assignment like this when we were studying like economic concepts in grade grade nine, actually, that's funny. So my best friend at the time and I teamed up to cover the concepts of boom and bust, like economic boom and bust cycles. And we ended up doing it as almost like a flipping through the channels, like series of tiny, tiny little films where it was like, there was like a commercial for like, a board game uh, there was like a real estate show there was like <laughs> there's like a rap segment which was really terrible Oh no! <laughs> it was just it was so much fun and actually was editing that that I was like I love video editing I could like do this forever and now I work as a video editor yeah. so that's kind of cool but it was great I, I love assignments like that where you're given that sort of creative leeway it really you know it lets students kind of express themselves in the ways most suited to them, which I feel like, you know, sometimes when you get super rigid, you're not catering to everybody's
1: learning styles.
0: Yeah. No, I
1: was kind of the same way. Like whenever we were given a choice of format for an assignment, I always did it as a video, Yeah. which was a lot of fun. I mean, there were a couple of assignments that we had to do as videos. So like in grade 11, Mm -hmm. when we did Macbeth, we had to do like a CSI Scotland video. What? So there's like a video of me and like two of my friends from high school with terrible Scottish accents, doing Macbeth as if it's like a crime show. How the fuck have I never seen this? <laughs> I'll show it to you after. Awesome. But I remember grade nine as well, having a couple of assignments where we got to choose the format. I Can't remember even what class it was for, but we were like learning how to market something, I guess. Yeah, we did this this whole filmed fake infomercial where I was a Billy Mays impersonator nice. called Frilly Days. Freely and, days, And that my partner was um, like a parody of Vince with Slap I think it might be on YouTube somewhere. Oh no, I can't remember what it was called. It's It's buried in the depths. It's probably got like 14 views. But beyond that, I think the weirdest choice that my friends and I ever made, it was for teaching, I think, like how different layers of legislation work within Canada. And we were allowed to pick a format. So my friends and I were like, why don't we do a puppet show? Ah! <laughs> but Potter Puppet Pals is really big at the time, so we were like, why don't we make our own Potter Puppet Pals and put on a puppet show? And we did. And they were like, these amazing puppets. I'll have to see if like my friend still has them and if, if she can send me a picture because we put in so much work and like we made like this like stage and we did like a really shitty puppet show for our classmates. That's
0: incredible. It's amazing.
1: It's wow. a lot of fun. Hey, Judy. Um, Robbie, right? Yeah. So, that assignment, pretty lame, huh? I know, totally.
0: So after the English class, Judy and Robbie have a little chat at their locker where Robbie is approaching her to team up and stuff, and they talk about, you know, art classes when they were kids and stuff. Judy mentions that her mom signed her up for Spanish dance class to teach her, like, poise or whatever, and she drops a book, and... Robbie, like, bends down to, like, help her pick it up, and they stand up, and he has the cutest puppy dog Lovelorn look on his face. he's so in love. He's so in love. And, yeah, basically, he tells Judy that he's able to tango, and we cut to
1: this really sweet scene with, like, Mickey and Robbie.
0: Yeah! (laughs) I, my one thought during the scene was, like, God, the show is so fun. (laughs)
1: It's, (laughs) it's really fun and sweet. Tango is a dance of forbidden love. It's an art.
0: Takes years to master it. That's why we're going
1: to have to break it down to five simple steps. Mickey, he's just like Mickey's he's just like complaint. so supportive to everybody. But I also I want to know why Robbie's here alone and what time it is. Like is this like past the hours of the store? That's a really good point. There's nobody else here. Yeah. How do these kids know Mickey? Like how long have they known him? Yeah. Cuz like know. Very clearly in this and future episodes, um, Mickey and Robbie have like a very close relationship.
0: Yes, no, that's true. Maybe like he's always known them as the Shed Kids. The, <laughs> the Shed, shed Kids. I love for leaving like Robbie and Mickey tangoing in the window, and we hear a police siren go off in the distance. <laughs> there is some forbidden dancing going
1: on. Oh my gosh! But it's it's really sweet. It's like a sweet little interaction, and also like. I it's nice how they show Robbie not having any reservations for it because yeah. I feel like a lesser show of the time would have been like, but I'm a we're boys we're boys we,
0: boys, we can't don't do, do that,
1: that. yeah they they don't pull any like no homo shit it's, <laughs> yeah it's just like a, a nice moment of like mickey being there to help and robbie being very willing to learn
0: yeah it's nice you know the show is just like so many little wholesome things it was just like it was a good show to watch as a forming adolescent
1: (laughs) you listen to rfr yeah sometimes okay every day but my friends think it's really weird But, but what do you think i think it's really weird but it's a good weird. It's like marshmallows and yogurt.
0: I forgot. I was gonna get us some marshmallows and yogurt so we can eat them live.
1: <laughs> what, you wanted to do ASMR? <laughs>
0: <laughs> just to just to like test the actual weirdness of marshmallows and yogurt. Like is it a good weird or is it just bad? I've I've never
1: heard of such a thing. Yeah, right? Could have said anything else. So after the scene at Mickey's, we cut to presumably the next day Mm -hmm. with uh, Robbie and Judy practicing their tango we get the cheesiest shot in the show so far we get like the gratuitous (laughs) slow-mo hair flipping as Judy lets her hair down because Robbie is so in love so they start to tango and Robbie's like admittedly very awkward they didn't make him like an expert overnight but he's learning and he's trying his best and like by means of awkward conversation he goes so you like horses
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, it, you know, it makes me wonder, like, because they, they haven't really spoken much yet. Does that mean, like, what does that give away? Does well, that give away? Exactly. Because <laughs> he would
1: only know that because he looked at her locker.
0: Yeah. Because I guess they were together at their locker, but still, he
1: was on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been watching you. I know you like horses. <laughs> we get the reveal that Judy is a big RFR fan. Yeah. During their little tango session, Judy says that question mark is erudite, which is a word that Starry Eyes had used in her previous call, revealing that Judy is Starry Eyes, and she has a thing for question mark. So Robbie has a little bit of hope, but Travis quickly reminds him that... She's into his alter ego and not him specifically. To which Ray calls Travis a pessimistic freak. And Travis has the
0: best comeback. I prefer realistic freak. I feel like I'd like to put that on my LinkedIn
1: or like a (laughs) CV. That's your title on LinkedIn?
0: Realistic freak? Realistic freak.
1: freak. I'm quirky like that. (laughs) See how many jobs you get. (laughs) See what kind of jobs you get. Still can't find the perfect guy, huh? You know what? Maybe he's right under your nose. He is. In fact, I'm talking to him right now. I'm just doing my job, ma'am. So we go to the next RFR broadcast. Um, Starry Eyes has called in again for the third time that week and openly reveals that she's into Question Mark. (laughs)
0: Making <laughs> it super cu- awkward for the other three. They're just Everyone so uncomfortable. Everyone else is just kind of
1: cringing. Lily cuts off the call to play some music and tells Robbie that Judy's basically not a nice girl mm-hmm. and kind of abides by certain rules that wouldn't socially let her date him and Robbie's pretty disappointed but is pretty determined to still go for it and make it work.
0: Yeah, there's this cute moment where he says she's not your average dream girl and then he just kind of looks down sheepishly like she's real. I'm like Robbie, he's so cute. Oh, he's such a little romantic. I love it. I love, I love it. Robbie. We love our sensitive teen boys. <laughs>
1: So are you ready for this week's CanCon commercial break? I am. I can't remember what you're going to be talking about, but I'm excited. Buckle up, because I've got seven pages of notes, baby. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, I had to do it sooner or later. So this week's TV show is Angela Anaconda. Angela Anaconda ran from 1999 to 2001. It was broadcast on Teletoon here in Canada, and it was produced by Core Digital Pictures and Decode Entertainment, the same people who put out RFR. Nice. So kind of basics of the show, it was created by Sue Rose and Joanna Ferrone. Uh, Sue Rose is also responsible for Pepper Ann, which was another kind of like... Whoa! Yeah, another... That makes sense. I can see that. Popular cartoon of the time. So it started as a part of Kablam, which was a Nickelodeon sketch show of the 90s, which had a lot of like cartoons in it, some of them spun out into their own shows. It kind of sounds like something you and I would have been into because apparently it also featured a bunch of They Might Be Giants music videos, what? which is a lot of fun. Okay, we should watch Kablam at some point. So fun thing about Kablam was that it was created partially by Will McRobb, The co-creator of RFR. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No. What? Um, That's wild. And also, uh, both the opening credits and the ending theme were ska songs, leading me to believe that Will McRobb had some sort of influence over all of the ska in the RFR soundtrack. Oh my gosh. And another... Big fun fact is that Kablam! is also where the second ever appearance of Untalkative Bunny happens. Oh, hell yeah. Because initially Untalkative Bunny was uh, featured in an episode of Cartoon Sushi, which was another thing of the time so we can thank kablam for bringing us both untalkative bunny and angela anaconda so angela anaconda started as a sketch on that show and then spun out into its own series so wikipedia synopsis of the show it says the show centers on the adventures of an eight-year-old girl named angela in the fictional town of tapwater springs other characters include angela's three best friends and several antagonists so uh i'll go into like some wikipedia character descriptions um boy are these detailed they're like some really somebody put like some effort into these descriptions i won't read through all of them but here's like here's angela's so angela anaconda was voiced by sue rose who's the creator
0: good thing i have given up thinking bad thoughts on account of if i could i would definitely be thinking one now
1: and it says she is a tomboyish imaginative freckle-faced eight-year-old girl who eschews the femininity commonly associated with other girls in her age and not like other girls (laughs) That's like a, a big statement for what the show was. <laughs> in every episode of the series, Angela will engage in at least one dream sequence. The majority of these feature her rivals, Nanette Manoir and Mrs. Brinks, seeking vengeance on them in unrealistic fashions. Angela often imagines unusual things happening to her enemies, especially Nanette including getting tossed into the air during an ice routine and falling through the ice or getting turned into a flash card and other bad things. Getting so. turned into a flash card? <laughs> <laughs> but she has like these like elaborate like dream sequences of yeah. just like her getting tortured. <laughs> it's kind of a dark show. Yeah. So her best friends in the show were Johnny Abadi, Gina Lash, and Gordy Reinhardt. Um, I'll read a little bit of the Gordy Reinhardt description. So <laughs> voiced by Edward Glenn, he is a kind, sensitive, and artistic boy with asthma who prefers pressing flowers, housework, and writing poetry to dangerous activities like tag or hide and seek. He has a love of ballet and nature and embraces all things pretty and lovely. He is best known for his many allergies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> here's his top
1: hits it's all just allergies he has. <laughs> so a note to you and all my listeners i want that exact paragraph as my obituary yes <laughs> and then mrs brinks who's like the teacher who's one of angela's nemesis, i guess as it is when you're a kid <laughs> on a show uh mrs brinks likes to believe that she is sophisticated and succumbs easily to flattery she considers Angela a bizarre, troublemaking, and wayward girl and constantly punishes her. She and her long-suffering husband, Connie, are rumored to be weekend nudists.
0: Wait, what? Yep.
1: <laughs> okay, so this is where it gets, like, religious. Um, oh, no! So this is for, uh... One of the recurring characters, Josephine Praline is a devout Catholic who acts as a moral rudder for her classmates. She is loving and forgiving, but stern when she sees injustice. Josephine often refers to others as my child. She set up a confessional in the girls' washroom where her friends come to talk to her about their stresses and worries. This, this, I can't, okay. Okay, (laughs) I need to watch this show. (laughs) You really don't. So that that's all the description of the characters. The thing is, I haven't even touched on the animation style yet. Oh yeah, because all of that seems kind of like unextraordinary. <laughs> but let's let's get into this. So this is from an article from Mama Mia. The show is most memorable for its unique cartoon style, what's referred to as cutout animation. This technique is also used by South Park, hence the characters' jerky movements. Basically, black and white photographs of the faces of real people are superimposed bobblehead style onto colorful computer-generated frames, but still have grayscale human limbs, which makes for a truly jarring viewing. It really does. (laughs) So basically, Core Digital, who are like the animation team, kind of the the 3D side of, of this whole production, got a couple of face models and took photos of them from every angle, making, like, the mouth movement for every single phoneme. So they could then take that and animate it. Um, and they used avid elastic reality for this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, back when when that was a thing. So it was, like, this weird 3D model that they had to make. But, like, the image itself still looks 2D. So it's not that it's not, like, impressive. <laughs> but it's terrible to look at. <laughs> Here are some notes from the Globe and Mail. They put out an article in 2000 called A Cut and Paste Phenomenon. As legions of followers around the world know, Angela Anaconda is a cartoon like no other. Generated by a computer, its cut and paste style looks like a child went wild with a set of paper dolls. The combination of visually arresting graphics and hilarious storylines has garnered some television awards, and the show is seen in 35 countries and dubbed into seven languages. So, as I said before, this show was done as a partnership between Core and Decode. And according to this article, after Decode partner Beth Stevenson saw four shorts that Rose and Ferone had produced for Nickelodeon in 1996, she knew the company was looking at its ticket to the big time, and Angela Anaconda had not disappointed. It has allowed Decode, founded three years ago, to go out and start relationships with MTV and the Disney Channel. So really, Angela Anaconda, because it had a big part in Decode gaining success, could be partially responsible for why RFR actually exists. That's incredible! (laughs) Stevenson also said, it was great to go out of the gate with Angela and another property, watership down which had some real pedigree so those were the two meal tickets of decode at the time this terrifying aggressive kid show and watership down one of like the darkest children's properties oh
0: my god oh my god this is how we hit the big
1: time (laughs) yeah so uh, Decode approached Core to do the animation, a bit of a gamble considering the Toronto Company had never produced a fully animated series before. Their demonstration reel featured talking rats from Dr. Doolittle and Canada geese following an ultralight plane in Fly Away Home. This article closes by saying it's a series about real kids minus the profanity of South Park or the Rebellion of the Simpsons. They could have said, like a kid show. Yeah. Like their their cases are for like definitely not kid shows. You yeah. could have said any animated kid show. Uh, a note about some of the the crew in the show. So this is from an article The Weird History of Angela Anaconda O Canada. Another notable figure who worked on the show was the humble Sheridan graduate and music lover, Ian Dessau. In between shifts as an animator on Angela, Dessau was busy recording music and playing shows in a little up-and-coming band called Billy Talent. I was like, where do I know that name? I yeah. know that name. Yeah, he was an, an animator on Angela Anaconda. That's incredible. So, like, some, some content notes about the show. It's known for being, like, incredibly violent <laughs> 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 because... The shows just feature, like, Angela's wish-fulfillment fantasy of what would happen to her enemies. And also, the first episode, it says, When Angela's class takes an excursion to the Space Museum, there's an alarmingly racist portrayal of an Asian-American woman who speaks in broken English. Oh no! Ugh. One of the children in Angela's, Angela's class has been held back for learning reasons and is often taunted for being simple. Every time she appears on screen, her presence is accompanied by a slowed down rendition of Pop Goes the Weasel. Oh, no. <laughs> so there's there's some content problems in this beyond the animation. But production-wise, it says Angela Anaconda, this is from a, an article from Playback called Decoding the Market for Angela Anaconda, it says Angela Anaconda, an animated tween series, is a distinctive-looking 2D creation budgeted at $490,000 an episode Whoa. That, that tells the story of Angela, a normal kid with normal frustrations. Kind of to go alongside that, there's an excerpt from the book, Producing Animation, that says an episode of this show took a- about three weeks of turnaround time because their animation process became so simplified by just having to change the mouth shapes and not having right. to redraw things. So that was compared to six to nine months of a traditional animated show at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, good turnaround time. Um, And then demographics of the show, this article, it said, Angela herself is eight years old, but the viewing audience is slightly older. Because of some of the rating and the visual style, we're finding our core audience is nine to 14. Two of the closest friends are male, and she's not the most feminine kid on the block, so we're getting a fair amount of boy viewers. We're also getting 35-year-olds watching, Stevenson says. But without question, Angela's target is tween girls, particularly for merchandising, which includes knapsacks, daytimers, sleepwear, electronic items and accessories such as purses, hair clips, cell phone holders, CD holders, and cosmetic bags. Can you imagine having Angela Anaconda merchandise? I'm like... Yeah, I don't remember anything. No. <laughs> what kid would have an Angela Anaconda backpack? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is absolutely insane to me. There's one review for this show on Amazon Co. UK. <laughs> it's one star. <laughs> it says, it's probably okay if you like this. Recently got a fire stick. When waking it up, somehow it ordered this. My fault, I guess, for not putting a code in to stop buying accidentally. my favorite thing is when people review a product but they're not reviewing the product it's just like they're making a commentary about like their day but after finding that i was inspired to find a couple of more reviews of the show nice So this is uh, on IMDb. This is from The Little Songbird. Now, they actually went through and their review is like several paragraphs long. And it's like a very like articulate, fair analysis. So this is one paragraph of many. The review itself is called An Invitation of Welcome One Wouldn't Want to Accept. Oh, no. Another commentator has mentioned hating it as a child as well as an adult. Have to concur with this. Was halfway through primary school when Angela Anaconda aired on Cartoon Network, often during summer holidays at odd times of the day, and disliked it intensely then from the start, but kept watching to be fair on it and see if it gets better. As said, there are lots of shows that start off rocky, but become more settled, and at their best, they're really good or more. That never became the case with Angela Anaconda. It stayed consistently terrible, and it is not hard to see why it was relatively short-lived, and has faded into relative obscurity. Decided to rewatch to see whether my view has changed or whether my memories of it being poorly animated, irritating, disturbing, negatively stereotypical, and repetitive with terrible voice acting and an annoying theme song were the same. And they were... Here's a, another one-star review. It says, This show is truly revolting. The voices are annoying, as are the characters. The animation sucks and is not even close to Terry Gilliam's animation style. The animation is so bad that it makes South Park's look advanced. Plus, I have seen stereotypes of Catholics, Italians, and nerdy people on different occasions. Not the nerdy people. <laughs> Shameful how some shows make fun of other religions, nationalities, and the way people are. That, that's a lot of weight <laughs> to put on <laughs> nerd culture. <laughs> Is it a good message to send to viewers, especially little kids? Shame on ABC Family for keeping this crap on for so long to show these things. When it's all put together, this message tells you that this show sucks. <laughs> this one's called, Made Me Question My Sanity for a Decade. Until very recently, I was convinced that my memories of this title were the product of a disturbed child's fevered dream. Oh, fuck. My dreams. Whenever I tried to describe Angela Anaconda to others, they all had the same look of confusion and fear. But it wasn't long before I learned to keep these memories to myself, burying the grasping temptation to disprove or vindicate my suspicions of having gone mad. Ironically, it was repressing these intrusive thoughts and the resultant hospitalization that finally led me here to the absolution I have found today. A few days ago, I overheard some people discussing unreasonable depictions of vengeful violence in a cutout cartoon show for children while in the common lunch area. Immediately, I decided to book some supervised computer time at the facility in which I am currently housed. The attending nurse typed the overheard name into this site, and here I am, after 14 years of misdiagnosed psychosis. I have lost time, which cannot be recovered, but you don't have to. Save yourself. Don't press play. Eight out of ten. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And uh, one more review. This one's called Discussing Will Make You Sick. (laughs) Discussing? This used to make me physically sick as a child. I strongly warn you to avoid the show unless you want to lose your lunch. Not only is the purpose of the show questionable, but it isn't even the slightest bit entertaining. I recommend you watch Dora the Explorer or Wizards of Waverly Place if you're looking for something to watch or, in fact, anything else that you can find, because for me, this is a vile display of what America's children entertainment industry has become. Goodbye. And if you choose to watch this, then please don't risk eating beforehand. Oh my god. I really enjoy that they say goodbye in it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I wish our review said that. Goodbye. (laughs) I've got one more thing to close this out. Mm -hmm. I have to talk about the Digimon short. I'm sorry, what? So the year is 2000. Oh, no. The Digimon movie is coming out in theaters. (laughs) Audiences go to see it. The first thing that they see is an Angela Anaconda short. What? About the characters of Angela Anaconda going to the theaters to see Digimon the movie. (sighs) This is it, DigiPals. In a few seconds, the doors will open for the best movie of all time. The Digimon movie! Some of the comments around this short are that it is so poorly researched. Because at one point, I think they have Angela turn into a Digimon, but it has, like, it's completely different from what you would actually see in the show. Ugh, it's more like a, like a Ultraman Kind of thing, I guess. So uh, here are some, some tweets. This one's from KZ Excellent on Twitter. We will never forget seeing the Digimon movie in theaters when I was eight and they played the Angela Anaconda intro bit. My father had to ask me, is this the movie? And I could feel a layer of primal fear in his voice. <laughs> uh, RedBlaze27 says, it cannot be overstressed how embarrassing that short is. Nobody in its production watched an episode of Digimon or even had a vague concept explained to them. It comes off with the same energy as someone's parent trying too hard to look hip, but not understanding the slang. I have read so many articles in preparation for this. I cannot find a single reason of why they produced that sketch. I don't know why it was there before the movie. How did that... Yeah, how did this partnership come to be? It was It was some sort of Fox acquisition. Oh. But why? It's why? this terrible five minute short. And possibly the worst part of it is... In the DVD release, it's not even a bonus feature. It's not like a, a special, like edition. It is the start of the movie. Wait, on, what? On any copy of the Digimon the movie, you will find this is the start of the movie. No. Yes, it's like this little short about them going to the theaters to see the movie. What? I I don't understand.
0: Oh my god. It's just it's just been absorbed.
1: It's latched on. Which leads me to this. On June 3rd, 2018, an anonymous 4chan user posted the following green text story. I'm scared. Didn't know at the time that parents' relationship was rocky. I begged to go see Digimon movie. Parents agree, but I don't realize it's for them to spend some time together as well. Get to theater and excited about Digimon flick. can even afford popcorn and drinks. Parents look happy. Angela Anaconda short comes on. My parents also don't speak very good English. My little boy mind can't comprehend all the fuck going on. <laughs> <laughs> Parents are utterly confused by this Canadian fuck running around <laughs> in a Digimon suit. I-, <laughs> I start crying and they pull me out of the theater. Mom and dad start blaming each other for going to the wrong film. Dad throws away the popcorn mom wanted. Lots of arguing and I'm still crying. Get out to parking lot and drive off in a rush get into an accident in the parking lot oh. dad moves out a month later <laughs> fucking bitch of a whore Angela Anaconda <laughs> ruined my life <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh no yeah. so if if this short did anything it was dissolve this kid's parents <laughs> marriage <laughs> uh, so, so to close this off We've got um, the six degrees of RFR for the week, and this one is very short (laughs) because I didn't know this going into researching the show, but the character Johnny Abadi, who is one of Angela's best friends is voiced by Al macadam baby! Whoa! Ray Brennan was the voice of Johnny Abadi. Amazing. If you look up, there's a behind-the-scenes featurette for Angela Anaconda, and they've got a couple of clips of the voice actors working, and you can see like teeny tiny little Al Makadam in it.
0: Hey, let's tunnel in. I saw it in a prison movie once. He's so tiny. He, he's so teeny
1: tiny. And because this was a few years before RFR, That kind of would have been maybe a bit closer to the age of Ray Brennan himself. So if he was playing the character (laughs) that long, just imagine the character of Ray Brennan with that tiny little kid voice before his voice changed. I think it's the sweetest thing in the world. And I think it also like affects, would affect the tone of the show greatly. If like those were the voices of the kids, if it was before their voices had changed. Yeah,
0: this is Radio Free
1: (laughs) It's It's very sweet. So that's Angela Anaconda. Oh, woof. My greatest regret is the amount of episodes that are now in my YouTube recommendations. Oh, thanks no. to researching this show. Oh, no. So I hope this was fucking worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have any favorite Canadian shows that you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us on social platforms. Yeah, and, uh, we'll think about We'll take a look. Them. We're always looking for some good, good, obscure Canadian content. Well, hypothetically, what advice can
0: this llama guy have for telling a girl you like her? Hypothetically? probably say something like speak from your heart but more importantly listen to hers
1: so we come back to this interaction between ray and travis travis is reading a book about the dalai lama and they're sitting on these armchairs in the middle of the hallway i hadn't clocked that that is weird there's like a random little lounge area yeah (laughs) why are there like these little loungy armchairs in this high school hallway this is not a university it's not a university We get Ray kind of trying to sneakily get some advice for what to do with Lily and Travis kind of knowingly tells him to do something nice that shows that Ray really knows her. It's a really nice scene. Like yeah. it's like there's some really nice Ray Travis bonding in this episode. I honestly I have nothing to say against Travis in this episode. Yeah. I will not make a single joke at his expense. I know he's very good and sweet in this episode. Yeah. Next scene, Robbie and Judy are practicing their
0: dance, and it's getting better. It's working out. They're 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 dancing along, and then they have this moment where they have like a very like Judy kisses Robbie quite passionately. And Robbie's like, hell yeah. But then Judy says,
1: I don't know, I just sort of close my eyes and imagine kissing? Question mark. Ooh. Ooh! Ouch! That's rough. How do you say that to somebody? Like, who would ever say anything along those lines to somebody? Right? <laughs> it sucks so and much. How, how does
0: Robbie still like her after this, uh. you know? He just doesn't quite... He's not putting it all together, and he's just so lovestruck.
1: Yeah, little- oh. My heart.
0: <laughs> Heartbroken little Robbie. Still on the Wuthering Heights? Yep. Our big performance is after the show today.
1: Okay. So we're back at the station, or at least back in their the little hangout place. Robbie is reading on the couch. Travis asked him if he's reading about Wuthering Heights. And Robbie says, yeah, his big performance is after the show? I don't understand, because the show's after school. Yeah. The show is at four o'clock. Yeah. Their do they show go, runs for an hour. Yeah, Do they go back to school for like 5, 5.30? To do an assignment?
0: <laughs> like, don't why understand. are you not doing that
1: in class time? It doesn't make any sense. I'm so thrown off by the timeline of the show at all times. Yeah. But also, uh, another moment in this. I love how joyful Travis sounds when he says, Poor Heathcliff. Catherine truly never knew the way he felt. And then he went insane.
0: He went insane. He went insane. <laughs> And then I killed him. <laughs> no,
1: not in this episode.
0: <laughs> As Robbie and Travis are hanging out, Ray comes on in and he's got a frog. Not just any frog, okay. This is exactly like the one she had when she was a kid. I call him Jumpy Junior. He's caught a little frog in a little box because he wants to give it to Lily, cause even though he made a really insensitive joke after her frog story, Trying he did it up. Yeah, he did hear her and he wants to get her a little frog. Yeah. that's sweet yeah he waited out into the swamp or the
1: pond or whatever yeah he got a frog it's it's a nice ray moment and also nice that he's like listening to travis and like taking his yeah. advice seriously Aww. good little bonding these boys i've been thinking a lot about you lately and i'm thinking maybe it's time we meet in person really
0: no 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 not really not really this is just his way of saying um
1: time for some music starry eyes calls in and robbie suggests meeting in person Lily is pissed oh yeah (laughs) because obviously their whole goal of the show is that they remain anonymous Travis says that if he reveals himself it could be the end of RFR and it's like a very dramatic high stakes thing yeah But Ray sides with Robbie because he's he's trying really hard to he's agreeing because he's kind of in the same boat of like just taking a shot with Lily. Just got feelings. Lily's obviously leading this kind of like brigade against Robbie, revealing himself. I think because she needs the anonymity the most. Because of all of them, she is the one with stage fright, right? And the whole thing that like allows her to perform her music and, like, express herself on air is the fact that nobody has to know who she is. And that's what allows her to first start playing music. Right. Because the anonymous aspect doesn't really matter to anybody else. I think Ray would be just as happy if Mm -hmm. everyone knew it was him because he kind of likes attention. Mm -hmm. And Robbie wants to be the voice in people's heads. Yeah. You know, I don't think having a separate identity means a lot to him outside of, like, them being protected from any, like, punishment from the school. Yeah. Which what is the school's jurisdiction
0: yeah yeah we had that last episode where once uh, waller found out it wasn't rfr that um graffiti the school he kind of didn't care yeah. i don't know i don't know waller waller's authority reaches out far and wide in the square mile of roscoe
1: i am so nervous hey don't worry we've been rehearsing all week Besides, we can't be any worse than those two. So we cut to uh, Robbie and Judy sitting in class for... They're like 5.30 dance They're 5.30 assignment. I I don't understand the, the timeline of any of this, but they're watching another performance in their class from a duo playing a clarinet and an accordion. Oh boy, what a pair. Accordions are so loud, man.
0: They are. I mean, at least clarinets are also kind of loud, but not, not to the same extent. To, yeah, man. not yeah. The the mix of that, ugh, bad. And it sounds bad. It sounds real bad. As Ray's pacing around and Lily's freaking out. Ray's trying to get an opportunity for just him and Lily to be hanging out. And Travis graciously takes the hint
1: and says, oh, I'll go try and stop Robbie. <laughs> Ray like throws his bag at Just like him. shoves it into him. <laughs> just like the sound of it hitting itself is is so good. It's a good one. But uh, Travis asks Ray to, to go and check something on the console, make sure he's turned it off. And Ray goes to peek into the room, and just on the chalkboard, Travis has written, Good luck, Ray. Aww, and it's Travis. so sweet. That's that's a sweet Travis moment. Yeah, this is a really good Travis episode. Yeah. He's just he's really supportive and sweet in this one. And it's it's nice to see him becoming more of an established member and not be like the outsider of this little trio of friends.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. So we cut back to the
1: classroom. <laughs> just make out in your English class. Oh my god. (laughs) So they finish the dance and then like make out at the end of it and Miss Mitchell is like that's passion. That's amazing. (laughs) No. (laughs) You can't just like... make out at the end of a school project (laughs) like teen horniness is like the biggest problem for teachers they're not gonna encourage it oh yeah and and judy just dips after she's like i have to go and she just leaves. doesn't even ask to leave the class isn't even done because miss mitchell's like okay who's next afterwards yeah she just leaves (laughs) she just dips what is going on and like knowing that this is like in the evening <laughs> it kind of justifies it like it's not like yeah. this is like a normal school time apparently imagine oh being my... like the last group to go up and like everybody else is left oh my <laughs> god no you can't just make out with somebody in a school project no that's not okay It's not what happens and also how does this like this assignment either this dance or like the clarinet accordion thing show any reading comprehension
0: no that's that's <laughs> what a good what are point. you e- evaluating yeah
1: yeah, I feel like you do have
0: to have some sort of written component. They kissed hundred percent hundred percent I just wanted to get you something to, to say shows Well oh, here, just just open it. What what is it? Oh, oh just you know what? Ah quit with the Maraca and just jumpies out oh no uh, Li- ray tries to give lily the frog and lily like shakes the box super hard and she opens the box and she thinks it's a dead frog and it's just it's so bad <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> it's it my heart
1: ray looks so sad during it because he tried so hard <laughs> so lily dips and goes to meet travis at mickey's but robbie catches them trying to intercept them and is pissed that they're interfering with his own decision i'm really glad that we've been getting to know each other lately and i was wondering if maybe you'd like to go out with me sometime
0: robbie goes up to judy and judy like has this moment where she's like oh she thinks it might be question mark She's like oh robbie and robbie like very kind of like
1: stumbly fumbly he's like
0: so hey we're getting to know each other you want to
1: go out chickens out of telling her that he's question mark and and just asks her out as himself yeah and she rejects him because question marks more of her type because he's kind of a celebrity local celeb Mm, that hot radio dj fame yes (laughs) <laughs> high school radio dj fame yeah but it does establish like the popularity of the show if he's considered like yeah. a celebrity within their circles it is crazy how popular this show really like, quickly skyrockets well, like not and even within like kids. the high school demographic but the fact that like mickey plays it yeah. and it's like, something that's well known around town mm-hmm. he he realizes that judy wasn't interested in question mark for the reasons that he wanted her to be and he leaves ouch yeah <laughs> so she is essentially stood up by question mark for the night
0: and we cut back to the radio station where ray's just kind of poking at the frog a little bit <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just says just poking at the frog <laughs> <We don't laughs> she's so. called the priest
0: <laughs> she's expecting something different huh
1: yeah yeah i guess we both were oh, jumpy
0: junior you're alive jumpy junior lives the frog regains consciousness, and Ray and Robbie have this little moment about how their romantic things have fallen through. Ray's going to take the froggy back home.
1: And it's a sweet little close to the episode, yeah. just having a nice Robbie and Ray moment after their respective romances have failed. But they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. They've they've still got friendship. And frogs. <laughs> and that's the show. And that's the show. Friendship and frogs. Friendship and frogs. So that's episode five. Later- Songs featured in this episode include Talking About by Vibralux, Good Enough by Kid Gib, Get Free by The Vines, Record Spins by Flux AD, Used to Be Alone, The Pettit Project, Lost and Found, Botanic, Aliens, Manchester 66 by Girl Nobody, and Wish You Were Here by Incubus. It's really amazing how many songs they managed to pack into some of these really? episodes. Yeah.
0: Our Mickey's Discs pick of the up, I guess, is by Girl Nobody. It's called Aliens.
1: Yeah, Girl Nobody. It's hard to find stuff about them. They're not on Spotify. They're not on Wikipedia. But you can find a couple articles from the early 2000s about them. So they're from Vancouver. They're a quintet. So this is from an article from straight.com. Considering its status as an indie outfit that's never played the center of the universe, Girl Nobody isn't doing too badly on its first trip to Toronto. Armed with the future isn't what it used to be, its just-released debut, the Vancouver quintet is in Hogtown for Canadian Music Week. The group's got something of a Toronto buzz going thanks to an entertainment section spread in the Toronto Star. Singer Marta Jakubek should be thrilled about the exposure, but instead she's a bit stressed, mostly because the photo shows her a bit overexposed. <laughs> hmm. The band consists of singer Marta Jakubik, guitarists Joey Turco and Jimmy Northey, drummer Brett Drury, and bassist Jeremiah Schneider. There is a music video for it. It's like this
0: weird super kind of like post-apocalyptic-y thing where they're hanging out in a car and then there's suddenly like people running around trying to attack them. There's flares. The camera's kind of everywhere. It's very much like, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs>
1: classic low-budget looking. I kind of dig it. Uh, From the same straight article, it says, Treated vocals, spy-themed guitars, and burnished mahogany piano make Hello, It's Me sound like 3am in 30s Berlin, while Aliens, which is our pick of the week, will make great train-spotting music for the future residents of Mars. I can, yeah, I can see that. I like it. Yeah. On the YouTube link for the music video,
0: I love that the first comment is "Anywhere I can buy this RFR Nostalgia hurt heart. <laughs> And then somebody else says, "I had Mr. Turco for grade seven. He was the best." Why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Joey Turco is one of the guitarists. Nice. So that that's cool.
0: So the guitarist
1: taught grade seven at one point. Yeah, that's cool. Good job, Mr. Turco. That's fun. They are on Discogs.com. Nice. You can find some of some of their music. Oh, so here's an article from Pop Matters. Reviewing the album that this was off of, it says, Most immediately pleasing is Aliens, a blend of a sprightly drum beat and layers of vocal harmonies by Jackie Beck that sound reminiscent of Lush circa 1991. Possessing the kind of goofy charm you'd expect from a band like Super Furry Animals, Marta's tale of aliens and soccer players is buoyed by a chorus as catchy as anything you'll hear this year.
0: Marta Jackie Beck McKeever is now in a new Canadian folk pop band, also from Vancouver. Uh, they're apparently still active they've performed at places uh at festivals like the vancouver folk music festival alongside dan mangan uh if you see a folk pop band called asl playing at a venue near you go and uh shout play aliens except don't because don't (laughs) Don't be an asshole (laughs) (laughs) but yeah if you want to get a little bit of rfr adjacent nostalgia that's very cool i'm glad she's still
1: uh she's still working there so if you can track it down, just head over to YouTube and check out "Aliens" by Girl Nobody. It's a fun track, and Jody and I did start singing along with it a little bit. <laughs> it's it's got a good mood to it. Yeah, there there are a lot of songs in here that are like I I wouldn't remember immediately from from the show. Yeah, but they just come back instantly. Hundred percent. So that's episode five of RFR and of this podcast. If you're not already, you can follow us on our social media. We are at Podcast Free Roscoe on Instagram and Facebook and Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also shoot us a message at Podcast Free at gmail.com. Follow us for hot gifts, hot yeah. quotes in addition to that we've got weekly gif releases on giphy where we <laughs> show some of our favorite visual highlights from the episode to go along with uh, the audio here
0: yeah and if you want our whole collection you can go to giphy that's g-i-p-h-y dot com slash channel slash podcast for roscoe for an entire trove of, <laughs> of wonderful gifts for your gifting pleasure so thank you for coming along with us on this episode, and we'll catch you next week. This is Podcast your Roscoe signing off.